Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and we're back to another episode of Preds Power here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ. Also here over there in Nashville, Tennessee, on the Four Check Zone. Brian Baston. Brian, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm I'm doing all right, considering that uh, the Preds only lost by a touchdown tonight. Still doing doing okay. Speaking of losing by a touchdown, a fan of a team who loses by a lot of touchdowns every fall <laughs> Saturday, Jeff Middleton of Flames Nation and everywhere else. Jeff, good evening, sir. How are you? That was great. That was such an easy talk. Thank you, Brian, for that. So that was, mm-hmm. uh, wow, that was random. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't appreciate that, but it's okay. We move forward. Uh, I'm good, Chase. It's good to be back. It's good to have another week with you guys. Oh man! So we in the in the group chat, there's been a lot of a lot of hype about this particular oh, yeah. episode. Oh yeah, and folks are mad. Brian is mad. Um, no, no, I'm not. I'm not mad. <laughs> Jeff is mad. Jeff is I'm not mad. that mad. I, I mean, I'm a little frustrated, but I'm not like I'm not. I'm, I'm not as mad as I was at one point in my fandom as a friend. Okay. Uh, well, it's it's, it's Brian. Been worse. Lay it out here to get this thing started. How should we approach this discourse? I feel like I'm starting off first take, and we've got Chris Russo <laughs> and Stephen A. Smith here, and I'm just going to be moderating. This is this blasphemous. <laughs> Crab rangoons, things of that nature. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So okay, let's start out with this. It's never good, no matter what state your team is in, to lose a game nine two. It is not good <laughs> to have a player that you are paying four to five million dollars a year to score against you twice um it's heartbreaking to see a personal favorite in craig smith score and it's it's just not good there's not many there's not you know you can't spin a nine to two loss anyway to make it seem like a positive thing and i completely understand the frustration from predators fans you don't nobody likes to see their team lose especially not in that fashion and nobody likes to see them getting embarrassed at home which has unfortunately been a little bit of a tradition this season However, people are acting like the sky is falling 
And this reminds me of maybe one of my very, very favorite tweets out there that says me sowing. Hell yeah, this (laughs) rules. And then me reaping. What the hell? This sucks. And that's kind of what we're experiencing. People have been saying for two, three, four years now that this team avoiding the rebuild, avoiding, you know, not necessarily a tank, but being bad in order for the future to be good has been awful. And I would say I agree with that sentiment. Yes, I think Nashville's in the position they are. They could have been in this position maybe three years ago and had, you know, gotten results a little bit faster. But everybody wanted to rebuild. Everybody wanted, I, you know, many people said, jettison the entire team and rebuild from scratch. And what this team has done this season, you know, Chase, I always admire the fact that you do still believe that this is a playoff team and they very well Mm -hmm. could be. This is not a good hockey team. And, you know, again, we talked about this last week. This team has about, I'd say, little under half of the players on the active NHL roster who are pending free agents. And only, what, three or four players are guys that were brought in by Barry Trotz, Andrew Burnett, that team. And... I would say he's there about 50-50 on their acquisitions. You know, for every Luke Shen that you get, you have a Gustav Nyquist who has outperformed pretty much literally everybody's expectations. Um, But, you know, again, I don't worry about things like, let's say like, for example, and a guy that I like a ton, and I know that Jeff will bake is one of the cornerstones of his his argument, Philip Tomasino. Mm -hmm. He has potential. He is a very good player. Very likely, he's a little bit too good for the AHL, like he showed, what, two years ago? But I don't think it's a bad thing that he went down there because how much more is a Phil Tomasino going to take from a game like he saw tonight as opposed to what he's seen in Milwaukee? Um, We've seen guys like Mark Jankowski, who played for the Preds quite a few games last season and did fairly well, but I think his game has gotten much better in the AHL this season, and that's what kind of earned him this call-up. Same with Igor Afanasyev. Those are two guys who are top 10 in the AHL in scoring. Nobody's got more shorthanded goals than Igor Afanasyev uh, in the AHL, and that team is on a 15-game winning streak. They are. They went from being, I think, like something like 12 games back of Hershey for first place in the league, and I think they're a game and a half now. Um, Yaroslav Askarov, I believe he's won 10 straight starts now for the Admirals, um, or 11, actually, which would be a franchise record. But unfortunately, his teammate, Troy Grosnick, has broke that record earlier this even, season and sits with 13 straight. Um, it's, you know, there's a lot of electrifying players and it's really great. And I think that that time in Milwaukee, especially since Tomasino is waiver exempt, which meant there was no danger, no risk to putting sending him down. I don't think it's the, how much, you know, is this a would tonight have been a better experience for Phil Tomasino than it would be with him being the Admirals, even if they weren't in the midst of this winning streak. I, I think it's going to be a good thing for him. And we, we've seen guys in the past get sent down to Miami who just kind of needed that spark. I mean, we can talk about a guy's like, again, I like Tomasino a lot. I think he's a team that you, you know, a, a person that you center part of this team around for the future. But he accounts for about four and a half percent of all of Nashville's points this season, little under four and a half for all their goals. I mean, it's, we're not missing. It's not missing a ton. He there is potential. I made that argument with Ellie Tolvanen. He wasn't scoring goals, but he was doing everything else right. Tomasino struggled a little bit. I mean, the top five forwards on this team, looking at something like goals above replacement, um, number five is Mike McCarron. Mm. And I will say, kudos to Mike McCarron because he's playing a very kind of important role, and he's been 
I think he's been pretty good. I mean, obviously, you you adjust your expectations for a guy that was originally drafted, what, fifth overall by Montreal when he got drafted. Now he, he's just now hitting 200 career NHL games. But I think the role that he's playing, I think he's been he's been good. Same with a guy like um, a guy like uh, Jeremy Lazan. Now, of course, we have our Luke Shens. We have those types of guys who just there's no amount of optimism in the world that's going to spin them as good players. But I asked this question to people on Twitter tonight. You could put your ideal lineup on the ice tonight or maybe the rest of the season. How many more wins is this team going to get? How much is a play, like a, playing a guy like Tomasito in this on this team right now? Is that going to make him that much better in the future? And I don't know. He very, very well could, but you know, the first line is producing everything. Like this first line, uh, the for, first line and Roman Yossi account for over twenty eight percent of all the points scored by Nashville. I mean, it's it's not like it's not like Tomasino was being a, a a just generating a ton of points or playing really really good defense and just was getting ignored. I think it's kind of a little bit separate issue. He's struggling a little bit because he's a young player, and that happens. Is this is it time to give up on him? Absolutely not. But is it a bad thing that he's a Milwaukee Admiral right now? I don't think so either. I think that this team is overachieving if nothing else but this team is what they are they are a rebuilding team and the thing that encourages me is and the difference you see between a john hines or peter laviolette team is there's a skill gap but they're doing the things that when they're better is going to make them more successful they're not winning these games just because they got really hot shooting and uc sorrow stood on his head every single game and won them some games they definitely didn't deserve they're the Predators and Predators fans are learning what it means to not have, you know, a brick wall and goaltending every single game. And that's fine, you know, and, you know, half this team is auditioning for whether or not they want to stay in Nashville, because, again, largely brunette and trots are playing with David Poyle players. And, you know, we saw some of them get jettisoned this offseason, which is which is fine. But, you know, a lot of these guys aren't going to be back. And a lot of these guys need to be shopped around and need to play games. You know, there's no reason, you know, in an ideal situation that Tyson Berry is back in the lineup this much, but he rode the bench for so long. No one's going to trade for a guy who's been sitting on the bench for 30 games. You showcase these guys. You see what you have. You put a bunch of different combinations on the ice because you want to see what chemistry these guys could do because this is, you know, if you're brunette, this is the, your first, you know, real look at that at these players and what they have to offer and they're evaluating whether or not how much more of this roster they have to turn over how much longer will the re rebuild be and the fact that these guys are still getting ice time even though it's not every single game kind of shows me that it's like they've got a chance and players who are jumping out and doing good things cole smith hasn't missed a game this season i don't believe and but i don't think many people could argue that cole smith do didn't doesn't deserve that chance cole smith has been very good I mean, not stellar and not a guy that you want, you know, on a contending team like that, but he's been solid, hasn't been making a ton of a ton of mistakes. Um, guys like Cody Glass, really struggling. Yusuf Parsonen, really struggling. Uh, Colton Sissons, struggling. You know, and these are all guys that are sitting at the very bottom of, you know, looking at analytics, goal totals, point totals, whatever. They're just not doing a great job. And so it's hard when you look at a guy like, you know, Michael McCarron being like, why is he in the lineup? Because he's performing better than his teammates. And that's just plain and simple what it is. 
And yes, I cannot, I will never say that you shouldn't be upset with this team. You shouldn't be mad. You shouldn't be embarrassed to watch a game like that we, we just saw. But I also want to say is it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to rebuild. You know, you can't turn, you know, it doesn't turn around that quickly. And also you can't rely on Philip Forsberg and Ryan O'Reilly to score two or three goals a game just to keep you afloat because the rest of the team just isn't interested in providing goal support. So I think we're getting what we all asked for and it's ugly and it sucks, but you know, you're, they're pulling the bandaid off quick, you know, Poyle did the whole slow peel for three years and it's hurt worse. So you just peel it off. You see what these guys get. And if you have to have a bad year, you have a bad year, but you know, let's get a draft pick. That's not in the mid twenties this time. Let's get a top 15. Let's get a top 10. Why not? Because you're going to get this team into the first round. Yeah. And this team makes into the first round of playoffs. Cool. What happens after that? Can you tell me that this team even adds best with the most ideal lineup you can think of? Is this team beating literally anybody else in the Western Conference in a playoff series? I don't think so. And that's okay. It is okay to be a little bit bad. To be mediocre, it's fine. This year it is, I think. Jeff, your response? Um, well, I can at least agree with it's frustrating to watch a 9-2 to loss. Uh, I think... The problem is not that they're losing games. First of all, it's how they're losing the games. Um, because frankly, even in a rebuild, the goal is it for not to be embarrassing every night. And frankly, over the last probably couple of weeks, there have been so, there have been more nights than not where it has been pretty embarrassing to watch this team. Um, and it's been hard to watch this team. There's a difference. I mean, when I think about rebuilding teams that are fun, I think about you know, the Ottawa Senators who are still kind of in that phase, but a couple of years ago they were, they, they lost a lot of games, but they lost games in fashions where it was not, uh, it wasn't hard to watch. It was, it was guys, skilled players who were young, had top six to nine minutes, uh, were given consistent quality chances in the lineup by their head coach, um, who I'm sure I think a lot of Senators fans even had qualms with, but he gave them chances, and they were able to just they they just they played a system that wasn't like uh, it was kind of just run and gun, and, and it was a lot of it was a lot of what could be this Andrew Burnett system, to be honest, um, because of this high school guys. They were just able to make those plays, um, and yeah, it was frustrating to watch them lose. I think for Sens fans, considering you know nobody wants their team to lose, but they knew where they were. And they knew what the team was supposed to be. And I think I don't think the problem is that Preds fans, I think, I think for the most part, Preds fans understand that this is where the team is, that they're gonna lose games. But the problem comes when you have guys like Luke Evangelista, who is by all accounts pretty much been good this year. He's been the only young player that I think has been given a solid chance to play in the lineup. And has done well with it. And I think sitting him for Denise Gurionov blows my mind. Because you know, I understand that as a coach, I, I think I think this is where a lot of the people's 
issues lie. It's where my issues lie. And I think it's with the coaching decisions, first of all. But I think it's the fact that for some reason, this coaching staff seems, I don't want to say unaware, but like it just, it feels like that they're not considering the fact that this team is not good. Like they're not, I mean, they're not like, they're not going to consider it that like we do, but they're, but it just feels like the, the, the goal is always to make the playoffs, but Andrew Burnett's decisions are like, if you're focusing on it from that point of view, I don't understand how the decisions you're making help you to that goal. And I don't understand the decision, how the decisions you're making, if you don't think the playoffs are, are a viable option, are good for a rebuild. Because one, you're taking out players who can really help you. Now, Yusuf Parsonen, I would say, is probably one of the is probably the 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 player who most struggled, who wasn't actually helping the lineup to score. I would say that the decision to send him down was pretty universally welcomed just because he wasn't himself and we know we know what he can do when he is himself and that's helped this team win games but you're taking out phil tomasino who yes struggled early but in the last 20 games before he was sent down he had 11 points like it, it, he didn't have – he was scoring. He was playing well. And then you take him out of the lineup because he made a bad pass or or you, or made a play that you don't want to happen. And by doing so, you add in a guy who can't score. Like you're taking out – you're taking out a guy who also not only – I mean the amount of times I've seen Philip Tomasino back check and make an impact – is this year, especially in this recent stretch where he was like really, really performing as well as I think any any of us would like him to be performing. It, it, it's I can't even count it. And there's clips on Twitter that I've seen where he'll come back, he'll make a mistake, or he'll or he'll make a pass, and the guy will turn the puck over, and he's the first man back. And you're telling me because he makes a bad pass, he he's not going to help this lineup to win. You just lost nine to two. Like, what is the possible reason other than help his confidence out a little bit? To, to, yeah, it might have been an eight three game with him, but that doesn't, I I don't think that Matt, the point is, is that the, the rebuild is, it's happening. It's, it's here. It's what's going on. And, and Andrew Burnett, no matter how much he wants to make the playoffs, this team is not good enough. And that's just how it is. Their defense is terrible. They can't like they they their structure is terrible. I shouldn't say their defense as a whole is terrible. Their structure is not good. No, it is as a whole pretty terrible. I mean, yeah, but the structure is really the problem here. But the the so when you say the structure is terrible, what do you mean by that? Uh, there's a lot of running around in the defensive zone. I would say hmm. from what can I've I, seen. And I can think I that, add something to that too? And I think sure. this is something yeah. people don't consider enough. The defense is bad. I would say that it's not too much worse than what we've seen in previous years. I think that people are hesitant to put a lot of the blame, and I wouldn't even say the blame, but hesitant to admit one thing. UC, UC Saros ain't himself. Yeah. 
And it's so that's fine. He's that. earned it. He's absolutely earned the fact to not be that great this year. And that's okay because it also gives this team a wake up call to say, hey, you cannot rely on UC Soros like you did with Pecorine to steal you 30 games a season on in games that you definitely shouldn't have won. And that's what they're doing, you know, and, and it's it's fine. It's fine that, you know, again, if anybody has earned the right to have a mediocre season, it's UC freaking Soros. So what's making it mediocre and what's different about him this year than the last couple of years? Um, I would say one of the biggest things I've noticed was he he made a lot of good strides in the last two seasons with his rebound control. And this season, everything's bouncing out of his hand he it's i think his his lateral movement's been a little bit off and i'm not sure i have a theory and please do not quote me on this or say anything but i just have a theory i think he's dealing with some type of an injury that's not too mm. bad i just because something's not right i don't know what it is but also the rebound control and that was one of the things you know that he turned around a lot pekka was always incredible with his rebound control and Soros wasn't that great. And then when, as Soros got more games around, he went from being, I think bottom five in the NHL, as far as like allowing rebounds off shots to top five. And then I, I imagine he's probably back towards the bottom five this season. Yet. And yes, it doesn't help that the defense in front of him is, is Swiss cheese, but you know, it's, it's not a, I think it's a mixed blessing. You'd obviously don't want to see it. And also, you know what, let him be mediocre. So people stop asking about trading for him. You know, because mm. I, I don't I don't I don't want to see him go. Um, but I mean, you make it you make a solid point. Yes. Philip Tomasino, 41 games. So he's missed about a quarter of all the team's games. Um, seven goals, uh, 13 assists. Not bad. And, but again, I just don't see the harm in putting him when you can do it for free, putting him in Milwaukee and letting him get his confidence back up. Because, yes, he's doing good things, but it's not consistent. And you know what? I can say the same thing about, you know, a guy like. Bill Forsberg, who kind of has these off and on streaks. Now, obviously, it's a very different conversation when you talk about a guy named Phil, like Phil Forsberg. But, you know, Luke Evangelista, they've played 54 games. He's played in 52 of them. I'm not super worried about him sitting tonight. I'm not, you know, I'm a little bit more worried. You know, I, I think the person, a player I would be on, you know, agree with you on, Jeff, and feel the same way you feel about Tomasino is Dante Fabro. Yes. Um, I forgot but, the health he scratched him tonight. However... Again, I, you can't shop around a guy like Tyson Bear if he's riding the pine. Um, for whatever reason, GMs in the NHL think he's fantastic. Same with Luke Shen. So you just got to play him. Um, I bet you if they could send Fabro down, they would. They can't, and that's that's fine. Um, but he's also not have a great year. Um, you know, Cody Glass really struggled. Ryan McDonough, not a great year. Um yeah, so does this worry all about Burnett is like handling lines and handling yes. who to play? No. Nope. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, y'all differ. Okay. Jeff, is, why does is, it worry you? This is the you? crux of the argument is the line mm -hmm. of decisions being made is I, I just, I can't, I cannot. If you're making, this is, this is my point is, is if you're, you're aiming for the playoffs and you're taking out two guys at any point, who help this team win. Mm -hmm. If they lose, this is where everybody was at a year ago or two years ago. If they lose and every young player was in the lineup, don't care. <laughs> Literally could not care less because that's how a rebuild works. That's how a retool mm -hmm. works. You play your guys in the top of the lineup who are young and inexperienced. And if you're trying to win games, 
And the only offense outside of your first line is coming from those young and inexperienced players. Play them. Like, yes, Philip Tomasino has been inconsistent at times, but this last stretch of 20 games, he's been pretty solid. And in games where he's been solid, Andrew Brunette has benched him. The Ottawa game, he was phenomenal. He's really good. And then he just got, he didn't play, he played like one shift. It just, it, it, it blows my mind. I can't, I cannot, I cannot understand why you are, if you want to make the playoffs and you take your best offensive players out for Denise Gurionov or whoever, that doesn't make any sense because you're actively hurting your chances to win. And then if you're in a rebuild, why wouldn't you keep your young players in the line? Sure, confidence, whatever. But you, if you move guys out at the deadline, like, I, I don't know why. First of all, I have a problem with the fact that Philip Tomasino hasn't played anywhere near Tommy Novak this entire season. And when he has played with Tommy Novak, he's been really good and he's scored goals. So that's a, a problem with that I have in and of itself. But this, the fact that, that, you're aiming to win and then you take out the best players that you have that give you a chance to win because they make simple mistakes when you're playing guys every night, like Michael McCarron, who has overall been good this season, but makes stupid, stupid mistakes. Like, and you're like, okay with it. There's no repercussions for that. And like, it's, it's honestly, it's, it makes me as frustrated as Lindy Ruff benching Alexander Holtz. Like, Alexander Holtz, for what he is, he's an inexperienced young player who does make mistakes. No one can argue that. The pass that Lindy Ruff was referencing after Alex Holtz got benched and he was asked about it at the end of the game and he told Ryan Novozinski, who's a great reporter, uh, he told Ryan Novozinski that he doesn't watch the games well because he pointed out that he didn't understand why Holtz was was benched after he was a strong offensive player a, a catalyst for the for the first two periods of the game like he, one bad pass benches him for the rest of the period and he doesn't play the rest of the game that's frustrating and that's really annoying because you've you know that Alex Holtz with who he's playing with has been very he's been better than Philip Tomasino has been and he's still getting benched and that's really frustrating and but that's like my point is like you have you have one mistake making an entire problem of of philip tomasino's game or you know a mistake in the third period that leads to a turnover okay that's a bad thing and philip tomasino i don't think anybody would disagree that philip tomasino needs to work on things i think that there's there's film that you watch where philip tomasino has not been good but you it's it's like the good stuff is being weighed less for whatever reason, then the bad stuff and the bad stuff is not is making the decisions instead of an aggregate. If the Predators were losing eight to three with every young player in the lineup, I'll say it again. No one would care because that's, that's where this franchise is. I don't think people would care if if. They lost eight to three. I mean, they care, but not in the way that, oh, you're benching Luke Evangelista. You've sent down Philip Tomasino. You've sent down Yusuf Parsonen for, uh, for, you know, Michael McCarron still playing. 
Denise Gurianov needs ice time, apparently. Uh, uh, you'll sub in Kiefer Sherwood occasionally. Like, I just... People want to see these young guys get opportunities, and they're not, other than Luke Evangelista. And for some reason, Luke Evangelista is sitting for Denise Gurianov, which... You know. He sat for two games out of 54. Two. Two games out of 54. I don't think uh, we're at the stage to, to sound the alarm for Luke Evangelista. I but think but I, the problem comes with, with that being... I agree. Two games is not that I think your issue doesn't seem like... It's not about the in, the actual stat. It's about the rhyme or reason that yes. I think bothers Jeff. Oh, you want to come, the... come at me and saying it's not about stats, it's about reason? Come on, do you not know <laughs> no, my No, not brand? reason. Yes. I'm saying it's less about that to Jeff. I think Jeff wants to like see, understand like the rationale. Like, explain this to me and yeah, your game-to-game decision. I haven't heard decision. a good explanation from Andrew Brunette as to why these guys are... are, are uh, I think for Tomasino more than either of them. Um, and I don't think that uh, uh, no argument. I think Andrew Brunette. I, I will. I will say this before anything else. I think Andrew Brunette is a fantastic hockey coach. I think right now, I think the system that he coaches is really good, and I love watching the Predators play it on a good night. But I think the lineup that he has right now is constructed in a certain way where the young players should be getting opportunities that they are currently not. And that is frustrating. Denise Gurionov was playing with Ryan O'Reilly and Philip Forsberg tonight. We have not seen any young player outside of maybe Evangelista once play with those guys. It has always been O'Reilly, Forsberg, and Nyquist, which that's fine. That line has been really good. You said it, Brian. I mean, they've accounted for a bunch of the points. Yeah, I was but, wrong. It was They were accounted for... For forty six percent of all the points, yeah, like like they're, that's that's a have they I mean, really I, just yes. from those three, uh, those wild. three plus Yossi, yeah, I'll say wow. that's insane. But like that's that's what is stopping Andrew Brunette from moving Philip Tomasino up to that line? What could possibly go wrong with that? Like to the point where he's been like barred from playing even a minute. With talented players, we've I, I said it. I said it literally two minutes ago. We have seen him play with Tommy Novak probably three or four times this season, and all of those times he has been fantastic. And then he gets relegated back to the fourth line with Michael McCarron and Cole Smith, and people want to wonder why Philip Tomasino, twenty-two-year-old Philip Tomasino, an offensively inclined but strong two-way player most of the time. Is not playing well. Is not per, is not performing to the level that we want him to be in the offensive in the offensive zone. Like really, like I don't know why this is, has been such a, like a shock. Like it's why it's like I just it's it's really I don't I will never accept this. Denise Gurionov needs ice time, so we have to sit one of the young guys. I can't. I just I can't. Even if it's Jeff Luke Evangelista. Is, oof. Yeah, no, I, 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 even if it's, I've had a lot of time to simmer on this, but you have. even, even if it's Luke Evangelista, who you're right, has not missed a lot of games, but like, just, just the idea that that needs to happen and we need to sit Evangelista, we need him, he needs to sit out, not Trenin, not, not Jankowski, who you're probably not going to sit anyway, but that's just a name, like, 
he, Luke Evangelista, the young guy, the inexperienced young guy needs to sit out, who has helped this team win games. It just it just boggles my mind. I, I just that that uh, the lineup decisions are let's are, do, are let's do a quick exercise though. I'm gonna name guys off who have played more games than Philip Tomasino, and you tell me you tell me if, if any of these players deserve to like you know Tomasino deserves a spot over them. So we can start with Forsberg, Yossi, Nyquist, O'Reilly. You're not gonna say yes on those. Colton Sissons and Jeremy Lazan come up next. These are all 53 game 54 game players. You can make an argument for maybe for Lazan, or if you really want to poke the Hornets nest, sometimes Sissons. But Sissons is say, also yeah. Sissons is I'm also gonna, your uh, Sissons is also your third leading goal scorer. I was gonna say I respect Colton Sissons' game enough to know that they're not gonna do one. They're not gonna do that, and two, they shouldn't do that. So okay, so then the guys with fifty-two point fifty game fifty-two games, Luke Evangelista, Cole Smith, Yakov Trenin. Still, I would say that they've outperformed. After that, Carrier. McDonough. I, don't, I don't think Yakov Trenin is is really that necessary for this lineup. I'm gonna say it right now. I think that they should move on from him. I think that Philip Tomasino should play over him. Okay, Carrier, McDonough, Arsenal, Novak, Fabro. Those are all the guys who have played as many or more games than Philip Tomasino. And again, I would be with you on this conversation if Tomasino was sitting at anywhere between. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 25 to 30 games played. I would be, totally be with you. But let's be honest. This guy, you've got guys like Philip Tomasino, Luke Evangelista. These guys are both high draft picks. These are guys who are, were drafted to be a cornerstone of this team. And I think that the difference has been pretty obvious Luke Evangelista is progressing in a way that you would expect a player of his caliber. This is a guy that scored, you know, over 100 points in the OHL in his last season. And like the last guy to do that, um, you know, you know, from a Preds perspective was freaking Ryan Ellis, who had something insane, like 121 year. Philip Tomasino, it's just it's one of those, you know, I think if he had been given up on. It'd be a lot different. I don't think he's been given up on. But. You know, some guys are just again too. Like some of these guys had, you know, had to play play under John Hines. Some of these guys played under Laviolette, and sometimes you have to give them time to get that stink off them. It's like getting sprayed by a skunk. It's going to take a long time to get that stink off you. Is and, a lot of this just solved after this offseason where so many of these guys are gone, and then you can go full out with the young, the youth I mean, movement here? Some of it, I think, but I think that this season again is it's, it's an audition. It is a let's mm. see what combos work. Oh, and by the way, Jeff, you were wondering, um, there are t- uh, 20 games and about 70 minutes of Forsberg, O'Reilly, and Parson. So there has been another combination. Okay. Uh, 
but you know that's spread out and i don't know if i would fully count that's not a combo guy jeff uh jeff's not a combo he's an individual kind of but guy it's, it's, it's no i mean is, i think it's important i think but that i that's also think it's one of those arguments and this is not one that jeff's making but like one of my biggest pet peeves is when people get so mad about the order of the lines when they announce it before a game hmm. what do you mean he's a fourth liner like no I mean, it doesn't doesn't really matter. It's how they're played. It's situational playing. It's who you're with and how they're being used. You know, it's whatever. I was gonna you know, say like, I focus more on the time on ice than anything. I like I'd focus more on the post game sheet than I would the pregame lineup. Right, exactly. I mean, but it's just, it's one of those things. And it's like if this was a team that should be contending, if this is a a brunette team in its third year and this is happening, it's one thing. But I think that the expectation like the fact that they succeeded early in the season and looked surprisingly good one it, it, it it's all because of you know when when four players on your team make up nearly half of all the scoring for you like you know i'm trying to come up with a, an expression for it but it's like honestly like when you look at the rest of the team we're kind of just being like well which of these turds is the less turd like the least amount of turd like you know like it they haven't been good you know, you can't rely on four guys to carry your entire team. You need depth scoring, and there is none. Again, Colton Sissons is the third highest goal scorer on this team. And no disrespect to Colton Sissons, but I think that says a lot about the rest of the team more so than it does about him. And, you know, Nashville's lucky to have Ryan O'Reilly, Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi kind of finally kind of bouncing back into Roman Yossi form. But, you know... It's also got to be super frustrating to them when you get these different lineups and it's just not working. It's not working. It's not working. Try another lineup. It's not working. Like they can't do everything. Phil Forsberg, bless his heart, tries no matter what. There are points in the game where you see him being like, screw these guys. I'm going to try to do it myself. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, you've got to try out what you have. You know, these are players that Nashville has the rights to right now. So they're getting a better you know, a better evaluation time than the other teams who are maybe coming after him. And they've got to see what they've got, not just for a sense of can this guy fit into our roster for the future, but which one of these guys is going to make a, get us something that can accommodate that plan that we have in the future. Philip Tomasino missing 13 games out of this season so far. I'm not worried. You know, yes, are there guys that should be getting less ice time or guys that should not be getting ice time over Phil Tomasino? Sure. But Dennis Gorionov, he's played 13 games. We don't, we don't know. I mean, that's as many games as Liam Foody played. You know, like you don't know what you have yet, and you've got to, you've got to try it. Sometimes you've got to see what a Kiefer Sherwood can do. You've got to see what a, you know, um, a Mark Jankowski can do. Although I'm pretty sure I think we know what Mark Jankowski can do, and I think he does deserve to be in the NHL roster right now. You know, you've got to but see that. I want to, I want to. And, 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 and be, I know I agree. But my problem is, is that they're not like they're not seeing what they have with other line combinations for Phil Thomas, you know, or, or like I, I don't understand. Sure, you want to get like, you know, I don't think he for sure was bad enough to sit him the whole year. So you want to get him in sometimes. But like, I, I think you want to see what you have, but you're not seeing what you have with other with with their younger guy. Like you're not seeing. I think most of this is surrounding Philip Tomasino, but like if you're like if you play him with Michael McCarron and Cole Smith the entire year, yeah, you know he can play on the fourth line, but that's not what he's here for. 
That's not the minutes you want him to get. And frankly, his entire career, he hasn't gotten those minutes because the coaches that he played under, John Hines and now Andrew Burnett, have not given him the chance to see what he's got. They ha- and, and frankly, Andrew Burnett this year has not expressed a lot of confidence in Philip Tomasino. And I think that is probably, at least I would be frustrated with it, but I, I would assume it's a little frustrating when your coach goes to the media and starts, you know, publicly bashing you for like for these little mistakes that you're making. And, you know, it's one thing to be like, well, we'd like Philip Tomasino to be a little bit more consistent with his with whatever. That's different. But it, it it's felt kind of constant this year. And the, it doesn't feel like there's ever been a time when when Brunette has come out and just been straight up like, you know, Tom or had a good game tonight or or something. Maybe I'm wrong, and I hope to be wrong. Like I like in this. I mean, I don't want to hear that a coach has been coming out and, and doing that consistently. But I, but from what I've seen, I, I just it, it doesn't feel like you really are seeing what you've got because you're keeping this kid down on the fourth line with two guys that can't score. Like I just I don't know. Like I mean, the fact that that you put you you played Denise Guriana for 13 games and. You know, in the 14th game or the 13th game, he he comes in and just gets a spot on the first line. I, I just after, per, like he's he's 26 years old or whatever, like, and he's he doesn't score. I I just I, I just he just but, jumps but up in there. this lineup, who does score? Well, that's my point though. Is like, yeah, I mean, but like Dennis, but Denise Gurianov is not going to be the solution. Like, yeah, but we said the same thing about Gustav Nyquist. We sat here, all through, well, the both of us saying okay, that same Gustav thing. Gustav Nyquist has has a history. He he can score. Denise Gurionov has one season of twenty goals at twenty four years old, and that's it. Like Gustav Nyquist, for the couple years where he wasn't scoring a lot, has a history of being able to score when he's played with good players. But I, you know I, what? We talk about history. Philip Tomasino has one season with more than thirty points. His t- career high in goals is eleven. Um, I mean, like we can but, talk history and say like the guy doesn't score. He like again, I, again when did huge he Tomasino fan. Huge Tomasino fan. Well, that's my question though. Is like why? Who does Colton Sissons play with? But Colton Sissons is not the same as Philip Tomasino. That's right. Because Colton Sissons is a role player. But the problem is, is that Tomasino is not performing. He's not supposed to be, but he's a first round pick. This is the last year of his rookie deal. You have to know what you're going to get because you have two options at the end of this year. Do you let this guy go who was a first round pick, 24th overall, who was supposed to be a foundation of the new team going forward? You have to find out in these games, can he handle the pressure? Can he handle criticism? Can he handle being sent down? Or is that going to be something where he says, I needed to be better. This was a good chance for me to do that. That was a really good story. And I cannot remember who the player was. I think it was in the athletic yesterday about uh, or someone going down and spent like 22 games in the AHL when people really didn't think he should. And he was like, no, I absolutely should have. It, it's, it's, it's time for Philip Tomasino. Like the only way that we can settle this debate clearly is that Philip Tomasino comes in and plays like a first round draft pick. Luke Evangelist is doing that. Okay. I agree, but the pro- this is the same stuff that made me frustrated with Matt Duchesne in this first mm. two years because Matt Duchesne could not score for the life of him. And the moment that he starts 
His analytics were good. He was playing well. And you brought up Philip Tomasino's history. When his first season, he was told by John Hines that he needs to straighten out his two-way game. Despite or his second season, despite his first year, him being probably the best defensive player that the Predators iced that year, at least top five. His numbers were fantastic. Then the second year, he's sent down. He works. He works hard on on defense, and and, and he fixes. He gets he gets his confidence up. He scores in the AHL. He does everything he's asked to do. And then when he's back up. He doesn't play in the top six. Like he doesn't get power play time. He's he doesn't get the opportunity to really show what he's got. And then this year, it's the same crap. He's been stuck on the fourth line. Like, yeah, Matt, like Matt Duchesne in his first and second years with the Predators couldn't score. But the problem was because he was playing with Brad Richardson and Eric Howla. Like, sure, <laughs> the history is not there, but when you play with guys that also can't score, then you should, like, I don't know what you expect. Like, I, I don't expect Philip Tomasino at 22 years old to be able to drive a line with Michael McCarron and Cole Smith on it. That's not but how again, But again, I would argue, and this is odd for me to do this a year out, but who's the, who's the underperforming player on that, that lineup, those three players? Unfortunately, it's Phil Tomasino. He has he started out fantastic. His numbers, his his analytics, plus ten in goals above replacement. He has gone down. He went down to three last season, and he's sitting about one point two. He's playing as a, like a replacement level player. And where like what's the judge of where replacement level is? It's your thirteenth forward or your seventh defenseman. It's usually a guy who's in the AHL, and that's just been the way it is. And again, he you know there's two things. Yes. Give him chances. Maybe give him more time with those top lines. Good, sure, fine. But you know, I'll have. I'll, I'm gonna. I'm do gonna it. note that Philip Tomasino is eighth in expected goals above replacement. Expected, so yes. Is, yeah. So he's yeah. not. He's eighth on the team, and you're. You know. Yes, because this is a replacement level team. <laughs> that's what this but, is. But my point is, is that that that's not. <laughs> What I would argue that 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 number could absolutely be influenced by who he's playing with, because he's not by, by its like and we're gonna get way deep into the nerd stuff, but by the way the metric works, it's specifically to isolate them from the players that they're playing with. Yeah, but you know it's I mean you know it's not perfect though. You watch him and he's clearly not like, I mean I, I'm I can't I can't believe I a nerd am doing this, but like you you watch. If you watch the games, how dare you? How know, dare you assume I, I, I would I, ever I know, do I something like that? Eye <laughs> like, test. Do it, Jeff. <laughs> I, I watch these games, right? And I, and I, you know, I, I try to watch as many as possible. And I, I just, I don't. Every time I watch Philip Tomasino play with Michael McCarron and Cole Smith. Michael McCarron more than or Cole Smith more than either. I mean, I think I don't think Cole Smith is he's not a world. At least Michael McCarron's been scoring this year, and and I believe the 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 uh, expected goals. I don't know the expected goals above replacement number for him is is actually pretty low. Um, but he it it reminds me, um, it reminds me of that, of that. No, it reminds me of that clip of Matt Duchesne 
giving a perfect pass to Eric Goodbranson and Goodbranson completely whiffing and going through and it going through his legs. Like that's just what I imagine. There have been so many times this year where I have watched Philip Tomasino attempt to create offense and there has just been no no help from the other guys. And that's where that's like you don't even have to stick him on the first line. Stick him with Tommy Novak, man. He's been really good with Tommy Novak. Like I, I just I don't know. I like it's 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 the same stuff as the Matt Duchesne for me. Like it, obviously they're different in terms of terms of Matthew Shane was older and, and he had proved himself. He had been, you know, 70 points score or whatever, but you know, Matthew Shane wasn't getting 70 points playing with fourth liners. He was up on the, he was up on every team's top line or their second line. He was playing with, with, with Mike Hoffman and, and Mark stone. Like he was, he, or Ryan Dezingle actually. Um, but like he just it, like as much as Philip Tomasino's history is not great. I would argue that his history has kind of been indicative of where he's been stuck in the lineup. And the same went for Ellie Tolvanen. Ellie Tolvanen, in the year that he was getting <laughs> first power play minutes and playing with top guys like Philip Forsberg, he was in the Calder conversation for a while before he got hurt. And then after he got hurt, he didn't see the ice with any of those guys. And then everybody was like, why isn't he scoring anymore? Why? And he was like, take it off the first power play unit. And, and everybody, like, it was like, John Hines was like, oh, he's not scoring. Like, it, like, their decision was like, he's not scoring anymore. He needs to go work on his defensive game and his physicality. And then he did that. And then he didn't get a lineup promotion. He didn't, he didn't end up playing with those guys again. Like, it, it just, it doesn't. If Philip Tomasino, I'll say this just because so, I'm rambling. If Phil Tomasino, if Andrew Brunette came out, brought Tomasino back up, they brought him up and we're like, you know what? We like what you've done in the AHL. We're going to stick you with Philip Forsberg and Ryan O'Reilly for, I don't know, the rest of the season or half of the rest of the season, 15 games or whatever. And if you don't perform like we need you to, then you're going back on the fourth line or you're going back to work down low against these lesser matchups. And he doesn't perform as he should, even though 15 games is still a relatively small sample size. If he doesn't perform like he should, I'm more than, I'm more than happy to stick him on the fourth line, stick him on the third line, whatever. Let me ask you this, Jeff. You're making decisions. You get to decide the rest of this season. But like, based yeah. on what we've seen so far, right now, the projection for Tomasino in free agency looks to be around $1.85 million for about two to three years. Uh-huh. Do you sign Philip Tomasino to that contract right now? Uh, I mean, what do they have to lose? Like, well, I mean, a lot. But... You know, for three years where they are, I don't know. They're they're going to be losing like ten million dollars in cap space for the next two seasons for players that are not playing for them anymore. I mean, well, money, I you know, you're that's, also if so they that's keep Soros, a decision I was against, but Soros is yes. going to uh, Soros is going to be co going to cost a lot more than five million dollars here very soon. You and know, 
I like your attitude tonight, Jeff. I, Jeffrey. I know, I'm, I'm stuck here. How dare you? I, how dare I, you invoke Tolvanen right now on this? But <laughs> no, but I mean, I see what you're getting at. But here's like you're, this brings me to my million dollars off the books, like right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna. We've had this conversation. I will <laughs> yes, say this: that the fact that this has been an argument and this has been a point of contention, it's a good thing, because you know what, like. If that's what we're arguing about in this season and the way things are going, yeah. I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. This has not been a team I'm going to knock on wood. This has not been a team that has dealt with a massive amount of injury problems. We have not seen any controversy. Uh, none of their former CHL players are currently getting ready to go to trial. Yeah. Um, you know, shout out to Dante Fabro. Um <laughs> <laughs> for being a decent human being um i mean i think that you know all things considered this team is pretty much exactly what i thought they would be and probably what they should be and that's fine and yes it sucks to not fill bridgestone bridgestone has been getting pretty empty these days um yeah but it happens and and that's that's fine um but you just have to have this, you know, you, we spend years, you know, people saying like jettison everybody into the sun and start completely over. Well, you start doing things like that and they start losing. It's kind of like, well, what did you expect? You know, and I'm kind of glad I'm not, I'm not glad, but I think it's a good kind of a good thing in, in some ways to, to see UC Saro struggle this year because he's not going to mask the problems that David say, Poyle yeah, ignored right. for so long. Yeah. Not to say that I hate David Poyle, but I mean, like a lot of what they've been doing this season is either dealing with or getting rid of the albatrosses that, that Poyle put around their necks to start their, their tenure with the Preds. I mean, it's just the way it's been. And if this was a team, let's say it's the same roster or maybe, you know, whatever, and it's LaViolette or Hines getting the same record, I still would feel more confident, confident in Brunette, even though I might be the only person who didn't think Hines was terrible. Like, it's a different thing because the way they're doing it, the way they're getting guys to net, the net, you know, the net front movement, the work that they do, the fact that Brunette runs so much of his offense through players who stand behind the goal makes me so happy. Uh, they don't zone entries aren't we're gonna re, we're gonna shoot it as fast as we can around the rim <laughs> of the of the wall to to make passes. Like it's great, you know, and the results will come. I would rather. This team, you know, I would rather this team be what they are right now, doing the things the way they are, than they them being a third in the central team and just getting their asses handed to them in the playoffs. Uh, you know, that was Laviolette's thing. He was a regular season coach. It got to the playoffs. The man just refused to adjust. And when you play a seven-game series for four rounds, you know, good coaches are going to look at film and adjust what they do to what their opponent does. Laviolette never did that. And I'm sorry, Rangers fans, you can come at me if I'm wrong about this, <laughs> but you're going to find that out very, very soon. He's a very good regular season coach. I, it's, you know, only, only coaches only lost three Stanley Cup finals, which again, that is an accomplishment. And that's something to be proud of, but he's rigid and that's what's going to happen. Brunette is the opposite. He is, he is a, Work on the process now. The results will come later, you know, and that's what it is. You know, we're not seeing like Michael McCarron, Yakov Trenin, uh, Cole Smith. These are guys you normally we would all, we've all at one point in time said they're in there because they're big. They're in there because they hit. That's it. And that's the only reason I would say all three of those guys have made a case that that's not what they're only about. 
and have proven to be a little bit more rounded players than what all of us expected. Again, I still think myself included that the Preds fan base needs to give a collective apology to guys like Cole Smith. Um, you know, I've, I've got my guys, Jeremy Lazan. I owe the man a big apology. Alex Carrier, I am his biggest cheerleader because I was his biggest hater when he was in the AHL. Um, it, it, it's those things. And, but again, like considering everything, the people who are like, we need to reconsider the coaches or we need to do this. We need to find like, yeah, sell, sell what you can do what you can. But like, what do you expect? And you know, this is, this is how you, this is how you start over, you know, it's, yeah. just, it, it's, it's the way it goes. The and so, off. It, it's the band-aid. It sucks. There's no, I will not take that from anybody to say this sucks. I don't want to spend money to watch this team play right now, the way they played tonight. But this is what happens. And the good thing about the NHL is there's 82 games. All this gets forgotten when they go on like a four game win streak and, or Philip Forsberg scores a hat trick, like scores a hat trick, then it's all forgotten. But let's just be honest with ourselves. This is not a great team. It might be a decent team, but it's not a great team. It's kind of bad. And that is okay. There we go. But Jeff, again, we're arguing about Tomasino. So like, I think that things are, are pretty good. Yeah, it's okay. Even just lineup decisions in general, I feel like we're doing all right. Mm-hmm. That was good. It was therapeutic. That's right. Yeah. That's good. Jeff, what can the good folks check out from you all across the internet this week? Uh, well, I got uh, Miami hockey is on their bye week. So, no, we, the games this weekend, unfortunately. Season's wrapping up, which blows. But um, good news is, is that Miami baseball starts tomorrow. Uh, 4 p.m. Got a got a preview coming out tomorrow morning on their matchup with South Carolina. Um, and yeah, college baseball itself starts tomorrow, too. So you guys in UTK will be in action. Vandy's going to be in action. It'll be fun. Um, Ball villains are back, baby. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I'm super excited for this for this season. It's going to be good. Got to pay $30 like- to watch the balls this weekend on Flow Baseball. Uh, because it's only on Flow Baseball, and you can wow. only get a monthly subscription, and it's thirty dollars. There's no trial, so you have I to do a thirty dollars. Miami Redhawks for free on ESPN Plus. See, yeah. that's what we'll be doing all year long. But for whatever reason, the this regional or this tournament against Texas Tech and Baylor, this Big Twelve uh, SEC thing, it's on Flow Baseball. Thirty dollars. I, I like I like Flow what the, what they do, and like for what the kind of sports they carry, I've I've. I've paid it, Brian. After was... we get off here, I need you to send over that login code for this weekend. <laughs> well, I don't have it anymore. <laughs> I'm not watching ECHL games anymore, so I don't have it. But, uh, mm. but yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's cool. I think it's cool that the fact is that there is a way to watch your teams play. And I'm at the point in my life where I would rather I'd rather pay than have to like stream like pi- pirate something to watch a game. Like I just if you say that like, hey here's our app. It's going to cost you $60, $70 a year, but it'll work by all means, you know, like it's, it's called making go. the game accessible. Do it, do it more often. Yeah. yeah. On the four What's up uh, with you this week, Brian? Um, I'm going to probably start working on a sky is not falling article. Okay. Um, you know, uh, there's that I've got some, some things going on. Um, you know, I may have to pop out of hockey coverage for a week or so to, to take care of a few things, uh, out in Brian land here, but nothing, nothing too bad or anything like that. But I'm also been really, really excited. I'm, I'm kind of not so secretly planning a, uh, a little bit of a trip up to Milwaukee. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
yes, I'm very excited if that if that if that works out. Um, just because it's a whole lot of fun, and I'm glad that as as one Milwaukee fan said, uh, or some person in Milwaukee said, nobody cares about the Admirals except for Preds reporters, and I was like. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I know he meant that the other way, but I was like, I'll take that. Um, I think that's very untrue. Milwaukee is fantastic. Their fans are fantastic and they've got traditions. They're an older team than the Preds and it's, it's awesome. Um, so there's that. I didn't know that. Huh. Um, you know, they, they were in the IHL before they were even in the, in the AHL. Like they've been around huh. forever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, 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 that sounds cool. Um, but a lot, I mean, we're heading to that. I think, you know, after this week or so, it's probably gonna be the last slow week until until trade deadline season. And I get I fully get the feeling that some trade is gonna come along with some player that nobody thought was gonna be moved um, while I'm in the middle of doing grocery shopping or something, and I'll be frantically tweeting or writing from my car like I did, like I did when Laviolette got fired, like I did when Heinz. Like there's like the last like four breaking news things that happened. I've either been in the middle of shopping or in my car and had to pull over to to do it. So Here's hoping they wait in time at home, at least for whatever they're going to do. But trade deadline season is fun. I'm very excited for it. There you go. Well, we'll have that coverage on on the fork check and uh, everywhere else uh, this uh, the coming weeks, and also on this podcast. We'll talk about it. And I'm we're just going to go ahead and say, guys, will be moved for the Preds uh, this deadline, and we'll talk about who those end up being and what the lines look like after that. But uh, so we do it here on Preds Power each and every Thursday night, Jeff. Brian, thank you as always, and I'll talk to y'all next week. See ya. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.